Hello, Roy here. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to The Roy Green Show ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. All right, so now Canadian provinces, as you know, are beginning to reopen, and Pfizer is recommending a third vaccine jab. Transmissibility of the COVID virus continues to be an issue of concern. Another COVID variant is in play, the Lambda variant. How concerned should we really be, since variants are not likely to stop appearing? How worrisome is the coming colder weather? A fourth wave? Should we worry about that? Will such a wave be less impactful because most Canadians will, by the fall, have at least one vaccination? Dr. Neil Rao is back with us, an infectious diseases specialist, Halton Region, Ontario, also assistant professor of medicine at the University of Toronto. Dr. Rao, thank you very much for taking the time. Let me start with this. Transmissibility of of COVID, a topic of discussion, particularly each time a new variant appears. What are your thoughts? So every time a new variant appears, it's because the virus has evolved so that it can infect more people. So it's kind of circular. Of course, it's going to be more transmissible, especially at the beginning before people have seen the variant. The bad news about all the variants is that we do get breakthrough infections, even in people who have been vaccinated. The good news is that once you've been vaccinated, you are protected from the bad, dangerous effects of the virus. You get the virus, you might even be able to transmit it to other people, unfortunately, but you're protected from getting flattened by the virus. The virus has been defanged by vaccination, and we actually have 80% of our population having had at least one dose of vaccine, which is really good news. So with all of the brouhaha about variants, including England seeing more cases, there is a disconnect between number of cases going up and actual deaths and hospitalizations actually being low. And we should be celebrating that. We should be cautious about the fall. We might have a fourth wave in the fall where we get more cases, but really it's going to be a disease of people without the vaccine. And to a lesser extent, small numbers of people who have been vaccinated and who still might be second by the virus. So I was just about an hour ago going through some material and I found uh, um, information about Dr. Anthony Fauci from just a day or so ago when he was talking about the Delta variant. And he says it's unlikely for the vaccinated to transmit the Delta variant because the amount of virus in those people's systems would be so low. I think the jury is out on this. It's probably not as transmissible from people who have been vaccinated, but they are still determining uh, the answer to this question. They do still find some degree of virus transmissibility with these new variants. Uh, the Economist has a whole long briefing on this in the, the last month, last week's uh, issue. It's the jury is out on that. I think one thing that's clear is that we can't stop this virus. It's not like the measles vaccine, which actually stops transmission. It's what's called sterilizing immunity. This vaccine protects the person who gets there from a bad effect of the virus, but it doesn't stop onward transmission enough to stop the virus in its tracks. And frankly, as you get more and more people seeing the variant that is in circulation in a given area, be it the alpha, be it the delta, the new circulating strain has to evolve into something else to keep going. Its goal is to be the iPhone. It wants to get into more people. You and I have talked about uh, provinces opening or reopening on a number of occasions. So now in the West, we have Saskatchewan today, essentially fully reopening, Alberta on the 1st of July, British Columbia last weekend, Ontario and Manitoba, the premiers are making noises about uh, moving ahead of schedule. 
What's your thinking on the way this is being handled by, by the different provinces? Should we have a national strategy on this, or is it better to do it on a provincial basis? Well, I've always suggested a national strategy would have been better because people start looking over their shoulders and either trying to become more conservative than their neighbor uh, or people get jealous that somebody else is doing something that they aren't. And you have an Ottawa example where people will drive across the bridge to find greener pastures if they like something more in Quebec than they like in Ontario. Let's not forget that Ontario is so restrictive that even now Ontario is more restrictive than B.C. was when it was restricted. (laughs) So, like... People in B.C. have been dining indoors all through the winter, uh, except for a brief period of time. Ontario has not had indoor dining for upwards of, uh, I think we're into the eighth month or maybe even longer. I, you know, it's, so, so you're looking at it, we just open, we're just opening gyms with 50% capacity on July 16th, as the tea leaves say they should. So uh, you know, we're, 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 we're looking at unlo- uh, uh, sort of releasing restrictions in Ontario to a level that's still quite restrictive. There's no stage four in Ontario, which would bring us to where B.C. and Alberta are. I think the more provocative thing that we need to learn from, which I think is a good thing, is that B.C. and Alberta have stopped the mask mandates. And I think that's really important because there's got to be some exit strategy for us. We can't wear masks forever. And the value of masks at a community level rather than what we do in hospital is really questionable, and especially when people are vaccinated, and especially when disease rates are low. Okay. Now, you said something about crossing the bridge to Quebec, uh, greener pastures. I did that for nine years, and I can assure you, even though I'm a Montreal Canadiens fan, they're not greener in Quebec. Okay? Let's just let's just be clear on that. So... <laughs> But when it comes to restrictions, no, no, this is not this is not up this is not up for debate. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor Rao, what about Pfizer saying? Let's come back on subject here. What about Pfizer now announcing that a third jab is going to be necessary, even for the double vaxxed? Well, I wouldn't take it from Pfizer. I mean, they're doing a circle dance in headquarters. This is a good market expansion. If we're going to need boosters, it might be for people who are immunocompromised people, you know, with a history of cancer or transplant, maybe. But population-wide third, diso- third doses, I think, is a complete distraction. We're learning very quickly that the vaccine protects people, but it won't stop the virus. I think when we used to have this vision that we would achieve herd immunity and shut this thing down for good, the idea of aspiring to get everybody vaccinated to find a new modified vaccine to try and stop the last variant, so to speak, would have made sense. But I think at this point, we're not able to stop it. So if we're going to be doing third doses, I think it would have to be for a very select group of people. Or it would have to be in a situation where a new variant emerges, which actually causes severe disease, hospital admissions, and death in people who have already been vaccinated, in which case we'd be resetting the whole thing. I highly doubt that's going to happen, given what's happened so far with the variants, because none of the variants that have emerged have led to people who have been vaccinated in large numbers not being protected from severe disease. It's just led to those people sometimes getting reinfected and sometimes being able to pass on the disease. Can we, with any degree of accuracy, projected accuracy, I don't know if that even makes sense, but let's just use those words. Can we, with any degree of projected accuracy, yeah, the forecast, weather forecasters use it all the time, uh, have any sense of how impacting... COVID and its various mutations or variants will continue to be on our lives, let's say, over the next five years. Do we have any, can we predict this at all? I don't think we can completely predict it, but I think 
in forecasting, you look at sort of patterns. One thing that is clear is that in our climate, being a, a, a temperate, <clears throat> temperate uh, climate, but a continental climate, northern climate, we're going to see seasonal variation. And so we're going to see fall and winter activity more than summer activity. I think the other pattern that we're observing is that variants don't necessarily spell disaster, even if they're more transmissible, even if the R naught is bigger. I think that we can say. Uh, what we don't know is what will happen in developing countries. I think we're getting a bad taste of it in countries which have not had some vaccination rollouts. And we're even seeing in Australia, a developed country, the impact of having not had a good vaccine rollout program when they had a chance to. So I, I think those are the forecasts I could make. But to make forecasts about five years from now, uh, will we maybe, here's a really provocative thing that's been out there, maybe COVID will spare us from flu because we've seen flu somewhat suppressed by the spread of COVID. It's not just because people are wearing masks, but there may be a viral interference between COVID and the flu. So we might end up in a situation where we might be celebrating a COVID year over a flu year because flu years can be pretty bad for people as well. Yeah, they so can. Maybe we'll reach that equilibrium where COVID's not so severe and we're kind of happy that we have a bit of COVID rather than a bunch of flu. So one more question for you. When it comes down to the question or the issue of to vaccinate or not to vaccinate, and you're not, uh, you're not shy to challenge accepted orthodoxy, um, in the interest of pursuing a scientific uh, answer. Um, would you say it's still, for everyone, the better option to be vaccinated as opposed to walking away from that choice? I think everybody should get at least one dose, if not two. However, I think we've reached a level now where we're not going to get to the last 20%. Like, it's sort, of, it's sort of like you're trying to get that last drop out of the lemon. We've gotten an A-, minus. we got to 80 I don't think we're going to ever get to an A+. Most vaccine campaigns poop out at 30 or 40%. This is a miracle getting to 80%. And I'm not saying more people shouldn't get it. There are people who are high risk, who work in congregate settings, in, in hospitality, in factories. Those people absolutely should get it. They're getting multiple contacts in close settings. They should do it. Uh, and some of those people are also obese and with diabetes and racialized groups. These are the people who do badly. But... I don't think going after higher numbers at a population level is a goal worth chasing. It's nice to have, but I don't think it's worth chasing anymore. I think we have to focus on other things. If you want to hear more, subscribe to The Roy Green Show on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you find your favorites. And if you like what you hear, leave us a review and tell a friend. I'm Roy Green. Have a great weekend. 